This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High quality information. Because high quality information informs much better decision making. Dittman Research has been providing high quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Very excited to be joined here in studio uh, with Kai Binkley Sims. How you doing? Great. So I want to talk about the Wolverines, the new hockey team, and the Sullivan Arena situation. But first, I kind of want to introduce folks to you. Um, you're obviously a Binkley, but you you're married to John Sims from NSTAR, who whenever I see him, I'm trying to get like a discount on my gas. Yeah. He can't do that, yeah. can he? No, can do. Sorry. So so how'd you, how'd you, because your family's in Fairbanks, your Fairbanks family. Yes. But you're, you and Ryan's kind of coming and going now too, but... Yeah, I mean, my whole family lives in Fairbanks, but I moved down here to work for BP after college. So you went to Colorado School of Mines with your brother? Yeah, so Ryan went there, I guess he started in 96, I started in 98, and then my younger brother Wade started in 2000. Did you ever, like, go to, like, a party and be like, oh, man, my brother's here, damn. He didn't really like having me around as an <laughs> annoying younger sister. I see, I have a younger sister, so she's two years younger. Two and a half years younger, so I was. She was two grades behind me. So when I was like a senior in high school, you start going to like, and then she. It's like, oh my god, why is she? Because she had her group of friends, and there was an overlap. Yeah. So I, I, I know the feeling. Good. So, <laughs> I don't get it. I thought it was great to have around, but he didn't think so. See, see, when she when she was like, no, I don't want to get too much. When she was older, you know, when she was like mid, like early twenties, and I was like, then all of a sudden, because because her friends came. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I we crossed paths. We were in the same department. Both had have petroleum engineering degrees, and uh, but so I heard that the Coors Lights near there, right? Coors Brewing. Coors. Yes. So I heard that for because I had some friends that went there, and they used to have these tours, and they'd give like free beers. But I think they might have stopped doing the free beers. Really? I think so. I think I heard that they they cut it back because I had a friend who went there, and they'd say it was like Thursday or Friday. They'd go and they'd do the tour and then they'd get like free, like free beer. Yeah. We called it Coors Lab. So, so you have kind of, I was talking to Ryan about this. You have kind of an interesting background because your, your dad was a Senator from Bethel. Yeah. Republican. And that's what I want to talk. Cause that's in itself is a great story. Yeah. How that happened. But you kind of grew up and before we started, I got to say you weren't born. You're, you're, you're like Tim Sullivan who was born in Portland. Yeah. I don't like to draw a lot of attention to it, but thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. I was born in Seattle. So my, Parents lived in Bethel at the time, and my understanding is that it, the hospital there was just for the Native Alaskans, and um, my mom wasn't able to have me there, and my dad was traveling out in Seattle, so she just flew to where he was to have me, and then came right back. Yeah, Tim Sullivan, same thing. He was he was born in, I think, Oregon for some reason, yeah. and traveling, and so he's like one of the, you know, born and, he can't say born and raised. And I just say it. I just say it. Ooh. Yeah. Not, well, not now. If somebody, anybody listens to this, they're gonna just don't they're, call they're, me out. <laughs> they're, they're, they're gonna know. So, so you um, kind of spent time in Bethel, but then you went to Juno because your dad was in the Senate. Yeah. Gosh, I think it was '84 that he uh, ran for the legislature and then served a term in the House and then served a term in the Senate, starting in '86. I think that sounds about right. So, 
when I was in first grade, we started just spending the whole school year in Juneau instead of moving back and forth between Bethel and Juneau. See, I heard that, you know, it seems like a long time ago, people used to stick around more. In Juneau. In Juneau, they have a yeah. more presence. Now it's like people just want to, almost like D.C., same thing. People just want to get out of there. Yeah, it seemed like it was more of a community. We would hang out with other, you know, legislative families on the weekends and a lot of bonds formed, even across the aisle. I mean, the Menards are great friends mm-hmm. of ours that always were growing up, so... So when he was out of the legislature, that's when you, then I guess you grew up in Fairbanks? Yep. We moved to Fairbanks in 1990, and I started working in the family business then at 10 years old. So you told me that you have a, you actually worked on, because your family has the boat, the boat business, the, right, the river boats. Mm-hmm. So you, you actually have a license to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred ton master's license with the Coast Guard. I got that at 18. And at that time I was... We think the youngest woman to ever have gotten that license. Was that the age 18, the minimum? Yeah, the age was 19, but I got a limited license at 18. So that's why we think I might have been the youngest. So when I went there a couple of years ago, I was there for the summer and Ryan's like, you know, you got you to go on the boat. Mm-hmm. And I went to the, uh, I called it the shack, but it's not called the shack. No, it's is not it? the shack. We would call it the wheelhouse. The wheelhouse. Right. <laughs> so I went to the wheelhouse with the captain and I forget his Who was sh- it? Oh, I have a video of it. I'm sure. Sh- he had been Not there a long. He had been there a long. Ken, I think Ken, so. Yeah, my mom's cousin. Mm-hmm. He'd been. Yeah, you're right. The cousin. Yeah, mm-hmm. he had been there a long time. So, I, I say, can I, can I, can I blow the horn? And he go, and he goes, sure. And there's like a string, and there's, I guess there's two, two, two options. And I pulled the <laughs> the loud one or the the big yeah, one. Yeah, it's like the docking when you're leaving a dock. Is that that's the one you use? And there was like a lot of people on the. I mean, there was like full boat of tourists, and they weren't. Yeah, it's loud. I think very thrilled about it. But yeah, it was, if you're it was not prepared funny. for it. it It'll catch you off guard. So, so your family has, I mean, before the, the tourism stuff, it was 100 years ago or more, right, when they came there and started running the boats? Yeah, my great-grandpa came up in the gold rush in 1898 and he started uh, hauling freight on the rivers during the gold rush. So you worked when you were a kid, you were working there, that was kind of your childhood? Yeah, I worked a lot growing up. I loved every minute of it. I worked various parts of the business. I worked in accounting. Um, I was in the gift shop, you know, working retail. I managed one of our stores one year. So did a lot of the buying. And then of course, at 16, I started to learn how to drive the boat and, you know, run the crew and uh, at 18 got licensed. So now you're here in Anchorage, but your uh, brother, there's three, three other siblings, right? Yeah, I have three brothers. So they're all still Yep, they're all running the business. Wade is the president of the business now, so he's my the other middle child. And then James does all the mechanical stuff. Um, he's got the most amazing mechanical brain. And then Ryan uh, still works a lot of time in the business too, but then also is down here with the ADN a lot as well. He's, he's dabbling in the media. Mm-hmm. Kind of like me, but like a lot bigger. Well, <laughs> like way, <laughs> way more people. Yeah. So, so you're, you're kind of so you're not involved. You're you're not involved with the business. Not not in the family business, just an owner, but not working day-to-day in the business. Yeah. It was because you were born in Seattle, maybe. Apparently. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> You're like the black sheep. And they shoved me out of there. So how did you, so you were in school, and then <clears throat> I assume you met John Sims at some point. So we met when I came, moved to Anchorage, after I moved to Anchorage. So I uh, got a job with BP after graduating from college. And spent one last summer working in Fairbanks, came down here. I met John in May of that first year that I was here. So almost a year after I had been in Anchorage. What was he, was, what was he doing? At that time, he worked for Aflac. Oh, my God, the duck thing? Yeah. 
So I used to work for this tech company and we had this guy come in. It was like 30 people or something. And we had this guy come in and he like wanted to like pitch us yeah. the Aflac thing. Supplemental and insurance. He, he was a, it was a very, I remember being a very animated character. We ended up getting it too. I mean, it was like an optional, you pay into it. Right. But one of the guys got, something happened. He got hurt. I forget what it was exactly, but he had the Aflac and like, it was like very easy. Nice. They were, they were just really cool about it. It was like no big, you think insurance, you always have these like horror stories of getting paid and yeah, it was, um, yeah, did John do that? Yeah. So, well, he had a marketing degree from Hillsdale college and that was his first job back here. I think he worked for maybe the bucks a little for a little while. Um, he had played for the bucks before and then worked with them a little bit and then, uh, also did Affleck on the side. So was he from, was he from, was he from Alaska? He grew up in Eagle River. Wow, so he comes. Mm-hmm. So how'd you guys meet? We met at a bar. No way. Yeah. I love that. Which bar? Random. Um, so I had seen him at Humpy's, and then we didn't meet until a little later that night at Rum Runners. Nice. Yeah. Kind of yeah. hopping a little bit. Uh-huh. Wow. So you were you were working so at the big the building, the BP building over there? Uh-huh. Engineer? Yep. Petroleum engineer. How long did you work at BP? Oh, gosh. 2004. 2002, I started, and then I had our first baby in 2006, so four years. Oh, well, you, you got out at the right time. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's gone now. Yeah. So when did you – so I want to talk about the Wolverines, um, which is a new hockey team. And right. we, we just did this video on, on homelessness. You probably saw it. Mm-hmm. And we've been covering, you know, that issue for a while. So you you um, you um guys decided to, like, start this hockey team. But this is before COVID even, right? This COVID kind of got in the middle of it. Yeah, 2019 is when – I was approached by Aaron Shutt and my brother Ryan. They had kind of hatched this from, from idea. Doyan, right? Yeah, Aaron Shutt's president of Doyan. And they met during a Save the Brown Bears event and thought, A, this is this could work in Anchorage, and B, this could help the Brown Bears. You know, with the more teams we have up in Alaska, the more we can share costs and get teams, um, share the cost of the teams coming up here and just um, the synergies with all being kind of out here on an island. Mm-hmm. Um, so they approached me uh, to see if we wanted to be um, investors in the business and then also to see if I was interested in running it. So that was back in ni- 2019. It seems like since the Aces left, you know, when was that? That was five years, six years ago or yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, It's just so odd that we're, we're like, a hockey town without this, a hockey team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all my friends who I didn't grow up here, but they all played hockey, and there, there's Lee, and there's you know, there's hockey is such a big kind of part of the lifestyle here for kids and younger people. But there was no hockey team for. I mean, there was the, there was the UAA, and even they've had their problems. They've just recently mm-hmm. got announced they had enough money to keep it going. Yeah, which we're thrilled about. So was part. I mean, was part of the consideration like this town needs a team hockey team? Absolutely. Yeah, we think there was a, or we know there's a need for it in the town i mean there's anchorage loves hockey and and it's it was frustrating for a while that we didn't have a team to support so i mean fairbanks way smaller than anchorage they they, they have they have uh, how many teams they have the junior junior team yeah they have the ice dogs and then also the university yeah the mm-hmm. university seems like i didn't grow up there or anything but it's a pretty big hockey the university team right yeah definitely yeah they play in the carlson center they get good crowds so okay so it was before covid this idea came up and it was kind of moving mm-hmm. and was it was it already done at that point or was it so we were in the process of 
gaining membership into the North American Hockey League. So that's the the league that we belong to now. And we had started that process. And um, so for I the guess, listeners, maybe kind of explain. So there's like obviously sure. NHL is a big one, each of the big ones. But then there's like the, the juniors, which are younger kids, college kids, or even high school, right? They can right. They're um, 16 to 21 year olds, and they are kind of looking towards the next level. So um, tier one junior hockey players are oftentimes being drafted and um, have the potential to go play professionally. And that's the same in our league, which is the tier, a tier two league. But more often, our players are going straight to college and getting scholarships at D1 or D3 schools. And they're from all over the country or, or mm-hmm. all over the world. I mean, all you over the have, world, yeah. I asked, yeah. You, I asked you when I saw you last, no, no Russians. Not yet. You guys got to get some Russians. I know, yeah. People do. love the, you know, Ovechkin, <laughs> all the other people. Yeah, he, we could, if we had a mini Ovechkin, that'd be great. There's a really good, I should send you this, it's, um, I forget the title of it, but it's a, it's basically a documentary about kind of Russian, Russians getting in the, you know, the NHL. And during the Soviet Union, it was kind of like not allowed. And then they started at some point kind of opening up a little more. And then there's not this, allowed for them to play professionally here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They just couldn't do So it was, it was at some point they started kind of opening it up a little more. And then there's this whole kind of, you know, the the Detroit, you know, they had these Russian guys in the nineties. It was like this like big team of all these like major, and they won, they won the Stanley cup. And it's just really interesting kind of like how they eventually let them start coming. There was actually some Russians here and it's in the documentary in Anchorage. There was a part of some exhibition game Yes, and, and they were like, there was like some issue. They were kind of worried about, there was like KGB guys with them when they traveled. Oh, and there was like, def- like, like they didn't want them to defect. I mean, they, yeah, you probably huh. didn't see them, but they were really worried about some of these guys like leaving the Soviet union to come here for, for money and to stay because they mm-hmm. wanted to keep them. So I'll think of the name of it. It's like really interesting. I think, huh. I think you'd be right up your alley. Yeah. I'll watch it. So, okay. So you had to like, you can't just start a team. I mean, you have to go to the league and kind of tell them what you want to do. And right. So we had to a be voted in by the existing teams and B well before that, I guess, uh, meet all the criteria, the financial obligations, the, um, disclosures and the, uh, have a solid plan, a business plan. Uh, and then, then you go into the acceptance or the, um, membership, uh, vote from the board of governors. And then you pay a fee to be a part of the league. And then you how, how many going. teams are there? 29. So you have to basically show them, look, here's, we're going to be able to make money. We're going to be able yeah. to like pay for the team and mm-hmm. do all that. Yeah. So when, when did they approve, the Wolverines. So in March of last year, we pushed pause. We decided, you know, obviously we could see what's happening around the world and decided it wasn't the time to move forward. So we pushed pause in March of last year and then picked it up in January of this year and then finally got our um, approval and membership into the league in March of this year. So if COVID wouldn't have happened, it would have likely been approved in sometime in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it gets approved, it gets announced, everybody's kind of excited. Um, and I assume there was some recruitment and there was kind of putting the team together. How long did that take? So when we were approved and allowed into the league, we got a certain number of tenders. I can't remember if it was 13 or 16. And a tender is just a, the ability to sign a player and commit to a player and they commit to you. So then you're there on your protected list and they can't go play anywhere else at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, I mean, that started right away. We, Keith Morris is our director of hockey operations and he's been 
watching hundreds of hours of games and talking to people about players and kind of putting the team together in his head before we were allowed to officially start doing that. And so we signed quite a few Alaska players right away because he had a relationship with these kids and had coached them and really knew uh, their playing ability and had been following their careers. So we signed, I don't know how many, eight right away maybe, and then kind of slowly added the next several um, after we uh, signed our coach. So, so, and, and I'm sorry, you're tired of, you're the, you're the president, right? You're the, mm-hmm. you're the, you're the, you're running the show. Yep. I'm so, the president and part owner. Okay. So, so how does it, it work? Is it kind of, does one kid maybe get approached by five teams or maybe another kid only has a couple of, is that kind of, it's, it's, it's recruitment, right? Is it? Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of these kids have advisors that are kind of having conversations on their behalf. So they do it for what, a couple of years usually, or? Yeah, it depends. I mean, so right now we have a lot of 20-year-olds, so 2002 birth years, and um, they are, some of them are, this is their second year playing junior hockey. Um, some They play like two to three years in, mm-hmm. in juniors and then hopefully move on to a college program. I was just on the way over here. I was listening to the radio and they were talking about 9-11, mm-hmm. which is, what's today, the 9th? So it's, you know, today's no, the 10th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow, but... um. They were talking about younger kid, you know, younger people. I'm, I'm 36, so I was in high school, a junior when that happened. But there's like a lot of younger people weren't even born. Mm-hmm. And you know, I talked to my friend friends with kids, and they're kind of like, oh yeah, that th- I mean that thing, or they don't, you know, because they didn't. Ex- it's just kind of wild being like mean the same to them, yeah. Like for those of us that experienced it, and then people that are, you know, almost like a, they could be adults now, you know, like teenagers, yeah. and they're just like, oh yeah, that thing. It's they don't even consider it. Your kid have three kids, right? So they don't. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah, it definitely doesn't mean the same to them. I was a senior in college, pretty sure. I was uh, a junior yeah. in high school. Yeah, senior in college. I remember that morning I went to my reservoir classes, my first class, and we had, you know, a lot of Middle Eastern students at our school. It was, uh, there was quite a pipeline from oh, the that, Middle East. that was rough for them. It, it was tough, yeah. I think I know my professor canceled class. We talked for a little bit and then... I was I was at home going to high school, and the first one went in, and I was like, oh, it must be like a small, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a, and then we were watching it in school, we were like, well, that's kind of, it looks bad, and then boom, second one, like watched yeah. it. Yeah, and have you been to the memorial? I, you know, I, I have not, but it's funny, I'm actually going, um, you know, Scott McMurrin, the travel gram guy, Yeah. The deal, so I do podcasts with him a lot, and he pointed out to me a few months ago, there was, there was Anchorage, Seattle, Seattle, JFK in October and back 300 bucks. And I was like, no way. Every time he says something, I'm like, that's not true. And I always go and check and it's always like, prove it. So I went and bought it. So I'm going there um, in October, I think mid October for a couple days. So I've actually never been to New York city. I hadn't either until gosh, a couple of years ago, I think it was our 15th anniversary, John and I, and we went to New York and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. So I'm going to go check out that and I'm going to maybe see a show or. Yeah. Do the do the sites. Yeah, yeah. it's so fun. What, what, what's the big city. where the screen is? I don't know the Times Square. Times Square. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do all the the touristy things. Yeah. Um, so a little distraction from the the hockey story, but yeah. um, okay. So now the big issue, and, and this is in the news, and been, you, there was a press release with Beans Cafe. By the way, I just I think I told you I just did an article like before this podcast. The municipality of Anchorage has nixed the contract with Beans Cafe. Yeah, I, like, I have no inside scoop on that. I have, I, I'm I, your I, first 
broke the news to me too. I, I, I got a, somebody sent me the information. So that ends on the 15th, their contract. 15th and, of September. Yeah, six days Jeez. from today. So, I, you know, there's some other company, it sounds like, that wanted the private company. But the, the challenge is, is, is for your, you were talking about before the business model, for, for this to work, we've talked about this, but talk about kind of why the Sullivan is needed compared to other venues when it comes to seating and ticket sales. Yeah, so the Sullivan Arena, obviously, it's a very iconic building and really a big part of the hockey history in this town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a large facility. It's it's probably a little too big for our purposes, to be honest. Um, but then it's a it's a massive jump from like an over six thousand seat arena to the next size is less than a thousand. So in the 950 range, um, and that's several ranks around the municipality, uh, the Royal business systems, ice arena, the for, subway. formerly subway. I, just call yes. it subway. <laughs> I know I try to be respectful of the, uh, sponsors. It's just, I mean, it's a Royal business system. I mean, it's kind of a hard thing to say. It, yeah, it is. It doesn't roll right off the tongue, but <laughs> I, I try to use it. Um, and then obviously Ben Bokey and then the McDonald's Center out in Eagle River, they're all similarly sized. So it, going from the ability to sell up to 6,000 tickets to 1,000 tickets, it's it's a massive strain on our budget, to be honest. So so your, your, your business plan, I mean, the Sullivan opened in March 2020. You guys paused. But at the time, up until, you know, even May, it, the plan was to move, move, you know, the Sullivan was an emergency. Everybody agrees it's not a permanent solution. There was talk about getting it done by September and, you know, the Bronsons, they have an idea for Tudor Elmore and other people in the assembly, they want to do smaller shelters, but, but long, long story short, we're in the middle of September here and there's, there's no plan. Yeah. 18 months later, I think it was, I don't know how many days it was, seems like less than a week that it was turned from an ice arena to a mass shelter back in March. Yeah, it was very quick. And, you know, 18 months later, we're still here. It, and and like I said, every single person I talk to says, we don't want to have our homeless population in the Sullivan Arena. We don't think it's the right place. We need to move them into a different location. But, you know, talk is cheap. It's just the action hasn't we, been we, there. You, you know, our video, that's that's one of the takeaways was we didn't meet one person, policymaker, you know, nonprofit or even for profit. Like nobody we met said, hey, this is a great place. I mean, mm-hmm. people agree it's better than Third Avenue. Mm-hmm. But yeah. not not the best place to be permanently. So, so without like I don't want you to name names or anything. But what's like have, what's been your experience with? I mean, we talked we've talked before. We've seen you at some of the meetings. Mm-hmm. It seems like everyone's always telling you, "Hey, we're we're good. We got you. It's all it's all good." I mean, yeah, there's so, there's been so much optimism, and it's hard not to fall into that. And I, I kind of did honestly. I I was really optimistic that we would be able to start our season on October fifteenth in the Sullivan Arena, and it, you know, even up until. Three weeks ago, I had that same optimism, but now it, I don't have it, and we're scrambling. To be honest, we're we're trying to figure out the plan, and Ben Bokey has always been our backup plan. Um, but there's a lot of issues around that facility too. I mean, they have this whole ice allocation agreement that gives high school hockey priority, and so we weren't. How many around. how many games are in a season? We have we'll play 28 home games. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's so, a 60 game schedule. So every game you have that's not at the Sullivan, mm-hmm. that's so much foregone. I mean, that's X amount of foregone revenue. Yeah. I mean, it'll be less expensive for us to play elsewhere. Um, so the expenses will be less, but 
the revenue will be dramatically less as well. And I came to the, it was a scrimmage there a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and my, my friends were there and, and you know, that Ryan was there and I think you were there. Yeah. So they basically said, look, they want to buy season tickets, but they, they you know, they want to, and I've talked to other people who have said the same thing. They just want to do it, you know, to kind of a rink, like a Sullivan type area. Yeah, there's lots of advantages to being at the Sullivan. You have assigned seats. You know, you're not on a bench. You're in a, your own seat with a back and a number, and um, it, it's a more comfortable viewing environment. But, you know, and that is the goal. We will get to the Sullivan Arena at some point, and we're, we're pretty optimistic about that. In the meantime, we will still put on an amazing show. Our players are incredible, and it's a really fast-paced game. It's fun to watch. I was there watching the warm, you know, warm-ups a few weeks ago when we met. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Whoa, this, this is like this. This is good hockey players." Yeah, it's it's big time. I mean, it's they're not paid to play, but they are hungry for that next opportunity, and so this is their chance to showcase their ability and uh, move on and get a college scholarship. So at this point. You know, let's let's. When does the season go till? Um, I assume kind of spring or April. Yeah. So I mean, I, regular my, season April. I've I told you this a few weeks ago, and I think it's becoming you know more. They've reduced it to like seven sites now. If you saw the article today, they yeah. Sullivan's one of them, and then there's other ones. But my kind of, and I said this two weeks ago, and I I, I think this is definitely the case. I don't think the Sullivan's going to close till at the very minimum end of the year. But but yeah. I think probably no, more think like that's... spring because if they do agree on a new you know, shelter and send, send navigation center. I mean, you, you know how long it takes to build things. You can't just build something in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of in the same at, uh, of the same mindset right now that we need to plan for an alternative location through the end of, and the end of the year and probably January and February at this point too. So the first game is the 15th, mm-hmm. October. Mm-hmm. First home game. So what, um, I mean, if this doesn't work out, like if, if it goes like we're saying, you're, it's not going to, I mean, there's still plans. I mean, the team's still going to be here going forward. Yeah. It's not, not going to have any kind of like dire impact if, if Sullivan isn't. We're not going to go away. That's for sure. Um, we're going to do our best to make, come up with a great solution. Uh, we do have ice booked for Ben Bokey in October. November becomes a little bit more of a challenge. So we're trying to decide right now if we can make a different location work for November or if we can, you know, still try to move things around and make November and Ben Bokey work. Um, It's a massive logistical challenge for us to be moving ranks every few weekends. So we would prefer to be in the same location. I think it's more consistent for our fans. Um, But we'll do what we have to do. I'd love to see like a outside game sometime. That'd be hard. That would be cool. Yeah. Like a make like, like a, a winter classic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'd be amazing. Yeah. Be kind of be kind of probably hard to get seating and it'd be expensive, but well, so that idea has been tossed around a little bit and the winter classic is real popular. Yeah, it's they're usually in a little bit warmer environments, um, so I don't know if our fans, depending on the weather, if they would want to be outside at zero degrees or. We talked about. Um, we've actually still kind of talked about this with some of my hockey friends, but we we've talked about very expensive endeavor, but. Like a lot of my friends grew up here and they played hockey and juniors and college. So we've, we've like floated the idea of, of it'd be expensive getting like a helicopter or helicopters and go to like a, a mountain lake, God. right. And, and like the middle of winter and with yeah. all the, you know, and like basically create, create a, a rink, yeah. you know, and have like a game and have drone, Amazing. like people and drones and beer. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, and, and film it, right? And put it on, like, I think that would be kind of, you know, like mountain, like middle of the mountains, right? You know, mountain yeah. lake, frozen. You, you bring in, like, it'd be expensive, right? Yeah, you bring it in, sounds like, very expensive. A couple hundred people to watch, and you have a. You know, it might be a better, or, you know, like a compromise would be Big Lake. You know, you could, easier yeah. to get to. Still an amazing lake. environment. We just, there was just a video we saw, like, Somebody sent me this video where it was some people, they went way up in the back country and they might have hiked out there, but it was, it was like ice skating. Yeah. And, you know, my friend Kalen Paxson have done some like, you know, back outdoor, like back country mm-hmm. ice skating, but this was something like way deep in the mountains and it was, they had a drone and you're like, like, oh my God, this is, but could you imagine like hundreds of people? Yeah, I can imagine it. it with sounds like amazing. Hot, you know, hot dogs <laughs> yeah. and like beer and like a real game. Yeah. If you could get us transportation, I'll work on the rest. <laughs> I mean, you gotta do helicopter. I think you gotta do helicopters, but yeah. you know, think about like think, think about the vid- like the the value of the promotion of that. It, it would it would maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what we do. We work with the Wolverines to do some kind of scrimmage in the middle of the friggin' Chugach. Yeah, in like I'm January. In. We're in. I'll, I'll 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 work on that. Okay. So I mean, what's what's been your you know your dad was an obviously senator in politics, so you you're familiar with politics. Like, do you feel like you've you've gone into the politics when that probably wasn't originally the the plan. Yeah, it was just no, business. Not, not part of our original plan for sure. But I, I think it helps understanding politics and knowing, you know, a little bit about the dynamics. Um, right now, what I'm seeing and I'm, we're all seeing is just a lot of contention between the mayor's office and the assembly. And it's just, you know, at some point, you got to be the bigger person and just leave that behind and do what's best for the mm-hmm. community. You know, I, I say it to my kids all the time, like, who's going to end it? You, you can't just keep fighting back and forth or, you know, throwing stuff at each other. Someone's got to stop at some point and move forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the, the mayor's campaign was kind of divisive, mm-hmm. and but he, he won. And, and, but in the assembly, I, part of it to me is I think, and this sounds really bad, but I, I think either both sides – really don't want the other one to get a win or get credit. So it's like they'd, yeah. they'd rather have nothing happen than, you know, God forbid, like the other person gets credit for, for, for something. Yeah. You got to realize you're on the same team at some point. Well, I hope, you know, I, I think everybody wants to see the team. I mean, since the aces went away, like I said, it's been really kind of sucks not having a hockey team here. Yeah, we, uh, the community response has really been amazing. We've had so much support. Everybody just wants to help, wants to be involved. And we're really encouraged by that and energized by it. And it, it's been really fun so far. So, so when you're ideally, when you're in the Sullivan, there'll, there'll be people can buy season tickets or is there like, mm-hmm. there's like boxes. I mean, there's a, is there kind of the VI, how do I get into the VIP area? That's what I'm yeah, trying that's to, what you're getting at. Yeah, how, um, how do I get the. The special treatment. <laughs> so well, we have some amazing sponsors, and and part of our challenge going forward is making sure we keep those sponsors. Um, we've promised certain things in terms of advertising in the Sullivan Arena, and we need to make sure that we keep them happy to stick with us moving forward. Um, Can you, do you have the sponsors? Have they been announced yet? Or yeah, our big ones are uh, Alaska Airlines. They were oh, the first on board. Nice. That was a meeting Ryan and I had, and it was just fun to work with Scott and oh, figure Sc- something else. Scott Haberstadt. Yeah. Big, mm-hmm. big fan. Yeah. Are they giving you guys like uh, deals on air, air, airfare or travel? I yeah, imagine? we get a, a travel credit and then um, they're our jersey sponsor. So. Ooh. Yeah. Smart. Um, so Alaska Airlines and then next on board was Alaska Communications and then Northrum Bank. So there are, there are big three. Um, 
So you got but, air travel, banking, and internet yeah. covered. So we have, we would like to figure out some way to make kind of box seating in the Sullivan Arena. In our dream rink, there would be, you know, box seats and an amazing place for our sponsors to go. Um, we think we can make it kind of a special atmosphere for our sponsors at the Sullivan Arena, maybe using those bump outs out, up top mm -hmm. or high top tables on the uh, walk around atrium up above the lower bowl seating. So we'll, we'll do something to make that kind of a special secluded area for our sponsors. Have you been in the Sullivan lately? Or? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you've, you can just see how, obviously it's a shelter, so there, there's some, it looks a lot different, but you, even, I mean, it's been there since the 80s, so it, it definitely could use some. Facelift. Some, some work. Yeah. Is, is, I mean, is a plan to down the road, hopefully have you guys or maybe the city or have some, some renovations done? I mean, right now I think it needs renovations. I mean, one of the articles I read, there's some estimate of how much it needs just to get back to like, being a functional ice rink. Yeah, so, so I mean, we've talked about here's the minimum we need to be able to play a hockey game there. We need seats and we need ice. And, you know, what we would like to have is some paint on the walls and some uh, box seating and some upgrades in the facility. So I think there's a stages to mm -hmm. the recovery of the Sullivan Arena. You know, one thing that I hear all the time is people say that the facility – is garbage now that it's trashed and it's it's not worth anything to the city and i didn't get that impression at all when i was uh, in yeah there. i don't I think that's i don't I mean, think that's the case at all it needs i mean it needs work there's yeah. definitely work need to be done but mm -hmm. i wouldn't say no it's I mean, not it's, it's, it's definitely disgusting it's, it's, it's not like you need to tear it down and build something new it's definitely fine for for um what, what it was built for it just needs a right. lot of work right and and i think that work can be done quickly after um, we find a different location for our, our homeless population. And and I think we can move in pretty quick after that. Two to four weeks is what we've heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just so frustrating going back to, you know, we talked about before in our video, it's, it's like every single person who has any involvement in this issue thinks that's a bad place. And then yeah. it's been 18, and it, they've never really, nobody ever thought it was a good, good place from the beginning. It was just kind of what was available. Yeah, I I mean, is there are there two schools of thought really about still with whether it's a good idea to have a mass shelter versus mm -hmm. multiple locations? I know Beans Cafe earlier on was saying it's not feasible for them to be able to staff multiple locations, especially in this time when it's hard to find people or staff members. I mean, Jasmine Boyle with the Coalition on Homelessness, she's a proponent of of smaller spread out shelters. Mm -hmm. But she, you know, she told us in our video, you know, she's pragmatic. That's not, yeah, that's not, not necessarily going to be affordable. But yeah. I think, I mean, there's been there's been studies on this. They've like looked at it, and I think ideally, it's better to have smaller focus. You know, like maybe ones focus on mental health, ones on addiction, ones on just hey, we need a place to stay till we can get like on our feet. But um, that that's more expensive. So there is people. I mean, there's members of the assembly. I think Forrest Dunbar, Christopher Constant, they've come out and said that pretty pretty clearly. Um, but then mayor is going for this right, navigation deal on Tudor and Elmore or somewhere. I think one of the areas they've talked about too is they narrowed it down to the old Pacific Northern Academy on Bergaw. Right. I've heard, I've heard that's a very viable option. I mean, when it's all together, you know, it's it's more efficient. But it's also, you, you can't have everybody, like I stayed at the Sullivan Arena. I, I know, you saw, yeah. I mean, I could barely sleep. It was it was kind of scary. It was loud. It was People were fighting and yelling. It was just not a place where if, you're, if you want to get better... I know. That sleep deprivation seems like a 
form of torture in itself. I mean, it's. Ba- I was just there one night, so I couldn't. Right. I couldn't even say if I was there for a month or, you know, several months. But I think you become, you become kind of like almost like a, in a zombie state where yeah. you're never really asleep, but you're you're never really awake. I mean, you're kind of like always vigilant about like the, some of the crazy because basically it's like it's just a continuous crazy like yelling, screaming, people saying stuff, hitting themselves, all these things. But then you also want to kind of sleep, but you're like, you know, you, you can never really get a good night's sleep. Yeah, maybe some people really can. Relax. Yeah. And the other thing I think is when you start mixing people who are maybe just down on their luck or maybe, maybe have a drink, bit of a drinking problem or just need, need to get kind of re, re, refocused, when you mix people like that with people that are very, very, very mentally ill, severely mentally ill, it's not good for anybody. It's hard to make progress, probably. It's bad for yeah. everybody. It's bad for the mentally ill people. It's bad for the people that are trying to kind of get back on their feet. So I um I don't know I hope I hope they figure it out it's it's not like I said you're you've been optimistic I, I know these people I'm yeah, I'm usually super optimistic and it's just been devastating for us H- how many how many times have someone told you something and you and then the opposite happens or something very different happens yeah I I mean it's not intentional I I really don't think it's intentional I I no think- no no just just kind of the way it, yeah, it's uh, multiple times. It's at, at really every crossroad throughout this process, um, dealing with the rink issue. Yeah, no, po- mm-hmm. po- it's politics. Mm-hmm. Can't tell you how many times in Juno, like people have told me very specifically something about a vote or about a bit, and then they, they, they go and like, not just do the opposite, they say the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating. That's, that's certainly not the reputation I want to have for myself. It's It's... It's uh, frustrating. It's politics. Mm-hmm. So switch gears real quick. I don't know. Are you watching the redistricting at all? Your, your dad's the chair. That's been, I, know, I know he's the chair. I haven't really followed it. That's been popping off all week. What's going on? So they've had like four, four I think four or five all day meetings. Okay. And uh, they've produced two draft maps, but it got really contentious. One of the board, um, I think it's Nicole, one of the board members got really mad and, you know, kind of going after your dad about public comment. And there was this big fight about how the maps were going to look. I mean, it was, it was, part of it was pretty entertaining. Your dad, you know, your dad, he's like, he's very calm, but you know, I think at one point he was starting to get a little bit frustrated. So, I mean, it's five people, you know, you're all all day long dealing with a very serious issue. I've been so busy. I mean, this, this job is really, there's so much to it. And I hadn't realized, you know, in the beginning how, how much it would take, but it's been really fun. Mm -hmm. But I have not even paid attention to that. This is what I always, call my dad and see what's going on. This is what I always have to tell myself, but also people... And like the politics, I call the bubble. Yeah. You know, whether it's like redistricting or some committee or some bill or some issue, whatever it might be. You know, there's about 500 people in the state who like follow this shit. Yeah. Really closely. Maybe less than that. So when it's like redistricting or when it's some bill or when it's some, even some major, major thing, the average person just has other things to do. They aren't following this stuff. But but some people, it's like their life and they live it every day. So they think, oh, everybody knows what's going on. And I mean, I bet you if you ask the average, 99% of people would not even know the board was meeting this week. Or... Well, I, sh- I should know that. That's embarrassing. I mean, no, I, I, it's, <laughs> trust me, it's, it's, it's like a few hundred people that are in the bubble. Yeah. But the board thing is going to get interesting because they have one more week to, to take other map submissions from, from like outside third party groups like unions or uh, native corporations or like part political parties. And then they decide if they're going to have any more maps. And then they have like a two month, almost two month period where they go around the state and present the maps right. and then have public, public input comment, yeah. and then they have to adopt a map by November 10th. Well, it's a good job for my dad. I'm, I'm sure he's 
I'm loving it. I don't think he gets paid either. You know? No, gosh, no. <laughs> it's, it's a volunteer. Volunteer, yeah. <laughs> well, um, Kai, I really wish you guys the best. I'm looking forward to going to the game. I already went to that that scrimmage deal, and it was fun. It was yeah. a lot of people. And well, did you hear we played Fairbanks this week? I heard you did. I didn't even fall. I, I'm see, like you're in you're in the hockey bubble. See, uh, I'm, yeah, we're switching. How do you not know about my we're bubble? switching roles here? <laughs> so I heard there was a game. I didn't. What? Well, how did it go? Uh, first night we played them on Sunday, and lost seven two. It was a great game. It didn't. Uh, the energy of the game wasn't reflected in the score. We had about eight minutes, uh, according to our coaches. I'm not the expert, but they say we kind of let down for eight minutes, and mm-hmm. that's when they scored a bunch of goals. Next night we came back and won six three. So oh wow! It's really exciting. Yeah. Any uh, was there a lot of I imagine a lot of power plays on the first night. Yes, we were in the penalty box quite a bit. Yeah. I like it when they have the three on five. Really, pretty rare. Yeah, I I I would like it if we were the five, but right, yeah. right. But it's like when you have it's three on five, it's pretty pretty it's high energy for the yeah. for the three. Yeah. Well, anyways, I wish you the best of luck, and, and uh, you know we'll keep we'll keep following this. And, and um, next, Thanks. I gotta get John Binkley. That's my yeah. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, to help. He agreed. We just we haven't been able to coordinate yeah, it, but get it on the schedule. Hopefully the Sullivan, you know, is figured out and you guys will be in there. And then if, pe- if people want to get in- involved or buy tickets or what, is there a web- their website and what's the best way to? Yeah, AnchorageWolverines.com. You can get everything you need to know there. Okay. Have you guys thought about incorporating the Red Dawn, you know, the Wolverines from Red Dawn? Yes. Like, you know, Wolverine, like when he's got the AK-47 yes, screaming I, on I them. Yes, I have that meme or I guess it's, I think, a clip. I think, it's a YouTube clip or something. Yeah, no, I've like phone. sent yeah. that. Like I made a picture. I think I've made a picture and sent it around to people. Okay. I was like, Wolverine, you know. This I is... sent that to someone a little bit ago. I can't remember why. But you guys yeah. should definitely incorporate that somehow. Yes. That'd be some copyright. Oh, good point. I forget about that. Isn't stuff. there Charlie Sheen, Patrick Swayze? Great cast. I, I All I've seen is the YouTube clip, not the. Yeah, so it was actually filmed in New Mexico where I'm from. Oh, okay. But it's like the Russians and the like the Cubans and they, they, the, they invade and it's like a World War III situation. But anyways, okay. the Wolverines, very iconic. I'll, I'll so, add that to my list of. Watch my watch list. Check it out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you and John, maybe not the kids. That, okay. That one. It's <laughs> big top. Big top. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Kai Binkley Sims, thanks for coming in. I really enjoyed talking to you and uh, best of luck with the Wolverines. And thanks. We'll be seeing you around. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. All right, folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.